0: Building an empire is hard work. It takes vision, determination, and a hell of a lot of money to build something influential that lasts. In the 1980s, however, as cocaine powered Wall Street, business empires had their destiny manifested into reality at alarming speeds. The greed is good mentality, which had the phrase coined by Gordon Gecko in the movie Wall Street, was in actuality, forwarded by famous General Electric CEO, Jack Welch, who was one of the first to forward the idea that companies were made to generate profit, a newer idea than you might think. This has led to a morality crisis amongst the business sector. But when the idea was fresh in the 1980s, it was powering the meteoric rises of some of the wealthiest people in America. It may or may not surprise you though, that the idea of cowboy culture and business during this time was not limited only to the states the movement quickly spread to other capitalist societies that saw just how much money was being raked in one such place was australia which dealt with its own plethora of corporate scandals and corruption during this time one of the best known one of the best known ones and the subject of today's episode was Christopher Skase, who quickly developed a far-reaching and diverse business empire that, like a lanky teenager, grew too big, too fast, and after it collapsed under its own weight, Skase absconded with the loot. Find out all about the rise, fall, and the chase for Skase on this week's episode of White Collar's Red Hands.
1: The chase for Skase.
0: Yeah, I. You know, I wish I coined that, but they <laughs> used that a lot. Yeah. the media did. So uh, I did. It. But it's I'm okay. still going to steal it because it was like 20 years ago since they've been covering this. They won't remember. So it's okay. Yeah, th- all those journalists are old. They don't care. Yeah. I don't care if I steal it. Uh, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of White Collars, Red Hands. I'm Kashan And I'm Nina. Uh, and just before we get started today, there are a couple of, of tidbits we wanted to hit on. First of all, we didn't mention it last week, uh, but we are still doing our live Q&A event over on our YouTube, I set up a whole a whole like premiere thing, so you can mm. you can subscribe to it, and it'll notify you when we're going live. So head over to our YouTube, White Collars Red Hands, um, and subscribe, and make sure that you're there and ready for our live show on October twenty seventh. It's a Friday. It's seven p.m. Central Time. I was too lazy to find out what that is. In the other time zones. It's 8 o'clock east. So figure it out if you're not one of those two.
1: <laughs> okay, so another update. Um, George Santos, we did a episode on him last season. George Santos has now been charged with 10 more things that he did wrong.
0: 10 more charges. 10
1: more charges. That's I didn't want to say he charges. got charged with 10 more charges, but yeah, that would be the right thing to say. He got charged with 10 more charges. Um, so, you know, those have a variety of... Things like, you know, more credit card fraud and things along those lines. Um, But we will keep you updated on what happens with that story. But it's not looking good for George Santos.
0: Oh, additionally, there was actually another big, I guess not big break in a story, but uh, we did a whole uh, episode on FTX really soon after... Uh, Sam Bankman-Fried got arrested, the yeah, CEO of FTX. I think
1: it was actually two seasons ago.
0: Yeah, and it was literally like the week after he got arrested. Well, his trial finally started. Uh, I think the... If it wasn't this week, it was the end of last week. Um, but his his former like uh, partner at FTX just took the stand. His girlfriend and CEO of Alameda is going to take the stand later this week. Um, probably not going to give you like in-depth updates on it but whenever that trial reaches a conclusion we'll definitely let you know if you haven't heard already mm-hmm. um but that's enough updates out of the way uh without further ado we're talking about christopher Skase. so who is this guy well christopher Skase was born in 1948 in australia's second most populous city of melbourne uh into a relatively wealthy family uh, his father, Charles Scace, was an opera singer who won the Melbourne Sun Aria the same year that Christopher was born. And I can hear you saying, what's the Melbourne Sun, Ar- uh, Sun Aria? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, it's a, <laughs> it's a tournament-style opera competition. Oh, um, Jesus. Uh, it awards up to $60,000 in prizes. Wow, okay. So his dad, his dad was an opera singer. Uh, okay. Kind of like you're not. <laughs> kind
1: of like that. He was an opera singer. Please stop. Uh, Who ad- won the prize. I'm just going to talk over you if All it right, keeps going. Sam.
0: Additionally, Charles Scase was a prominent radio and television personality in the 1950s. He uh, he does a lot of religious music. And I watched excerpts from a show, one of his, one of his televised shows, where they were... Advertising a German toy company for in the thirty 50s? minutes in the fifties, uh, and all of this is exactly as boring as it sounds. His music, you know what? I'm just going to come out and say it sucks. Not the vibes.
1: Don't give you that old time religion.
0: It's like uh, it's it's like Silent Night, oh, like that kind of it's vibe. On brand with the opera. Like that kind of vibe. Like like who was buying these forty fives and sitting down and being like, fuck yeah.
1: The Christians.
0: Wagging a finger to that shit. Nuh-uh. Somebody, though, because he was obviously at least mildly popular. Um, not much else is known about Christopher Scase's early life, but he got his start in the financial sector as a stockbroker for a while. Uh, but quite possibly because of his father's connections in the entertainment industry, uh, he moved into the world of finance Journalism.
1: Oh, super exciting!
0: Yeah, he he worked with in a an Australian tabloid newspaper called the Sun News Pictorial, um, and this connection with journalism will be important for some of his business pursuits later on. But he he served there uh, a couple years until the early nineteen uh, eighties, and after this, uh, he decided he finally knew enough to own a company. And very surprisingly, he decided that his first foray into ownership would be with a Tasmanian-based company that he bought uh, under the name of Kintex. Uh, This company was actually what is known as a shelf company. Okay. Not a shell company, a shelf company with an F.
1: Like they put it on the shelf for later?
0: That's exactly right. Uh, It is a company that is created uh, but left with no activity. Just left on the shelf. Just like huh. you said, um, and primarily, this is done so someone can buy it and avoid steps to create a corporation themselves.
1: Why do they want to do this?
0: It takes paperwork and time.
1: I know, but what's the point of making the shelf company
0: to sell it to somebody? Oh, you just because because then, then they pay for the convenience of not having to do all oh. of the
1: stuff
0: to set up a corporation. But this court, like this, this company exists. But it's just like no one's using it for anything. It doesn't do anything. But all of the paperwork to be a company is already filled out and done. Okay. So you just got to pay money. You have a company. That makes sense. Um, So Christopher purchased Kintex Entertainment in 1975. Uh, He he originally bought it with some other investors. But after like less than 10 years, he came up with the majority stake. So he basically owned it for all the time it was doing stuff. Um, And would primarily use it as a holding company. Uh, to base all of his major business deals out of. He basically used this company to buy a bunch of other companies that he would own. Um, and this was the 70s into the 80s. And the world's economy was, at that time, at an all-time high. Mm-hmm. If you were around, congratulations I mean, right. on owning a house.
1: Yeah, that must have been nice. How does that feel? How does it feel to retire? It's
0: like, we don't know. I don't even. Social Security might not be around for us. Not to make this sad. <laughs> but... The economy, all
1: i want is to retire
0: one of these days they'll just push it back you know we're living longer so you can retire at 85 and still get a solid 10 years
1: my grandma retired at 80
0: yep solid 10 years at least well not guaranteed but 80 is past the life expectancy for people still so true in america but whatever like i said not getting sad. um this was a high point of the economy. Money was freely available to any and all business ventures that looked like they had even a whiff of being profitable. And exchanges everywhere were filled with the word buy. Uh, Christopher Skase took this to his advantage. Uh, and over the next couple of decades, he would grow Kintex from a literal nothing company into one of the largest in Australia. See, originally...
1: Crikey. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you want to, you want to warm up. You want to get into the Australian accent a little bit.
1: No, I'm not very good I don't at
0: it. Nor, 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 clear the condensation.
1: Oh, nor. I'm not very good at the Australian accent. Goodbye, mate. Right.
0: Oh wow. That was bad. I know. I
1: haven't <laughs> done it in so long. Woof. Ugh.
0: Good time, man. Good night. thing this isn't your Good SNL competition. This is no. your no. SNL audition, dude. You're no. fucking.
1: I don't think I'll ever audition for SNL.
0: <laughs> you are not getting the parts of the female Crocodile Dundee. <sighs> Probably not. Crocodile Dundee. Did we just.
1: Crocodile Dundee? No.
0: What are you, a child? <laughs> I guess mm-hmm. a child is bad at Australian accents. I right? Wow! Yeah. Uh,
1: I can't be good at everything, Kashan. Well, there you, has to be one thing I'm bad at, should, which is Australian accent. You
0: should try being good at something first.
1: <laughs> I am right. good at something. I'm good at spilling ranch dressing everywhere. It I was did that earlier.
0: Oh, I thought it was blue cheese. It was ranch. Oh, well, you! It came out of your hair. Which is I washed nice. it. Um, Originally, Kintex focused primarily on retail businesses, such as a prominent Australian jeweler, uh, Hardy Brothers.
1: I thought that they solved crimes. Oh, those were the Hardy Boys.
0: I was about to say, I was like, it's close, but that's not right. I remember a couple of those books. They were good. Um, No, this is an Australian jeweler. Uh, Jeweler. Australian jeweler. jeweler the Hardy brothers. Um, but they expanded quickly to include a very diverse set of holdings. Things from like car dealerships to, uh, real estate developments.
1: Maybe the Hardy boys just grew up and moved to Australia and founded this company.
0: Um, Hardy brothers, the jeweler was founded in like the 1800s.
1: You don't know when those Hardy boys were brothers or when they,
0: (laughs) yeah, it's when they were brothers. hopefully their whole lives. Um, And yes, we do. In the books, it's like the 1950s. Maybe. So maybe
1: what happened was the Hardy brothers had sons and then they shipped them off to America because they didn't want to take care of them. And then they came to America as orphans and then solved crime. Why are
0: you creating all this lore? Okay. This isn't, this isn't a a weird ass fanfic, dude. We're doing real life Stories. I'm going
1: to make a fan fiction about the Hardy
0: Boys. I, uh, You know what? It'll be so fun to have no one read it. <laughs> won't it? That, you don't know. You know what? Why don't you try? If you prove me wrong, prove me wrong.
1: Do People it. read fan fiction about the weirdest shit.
0: Not about the Hardy Brothers. Okay? They read it about fucking...
1: Harry uh, Potter. Yeah, Harry
0: Potter side characters. But you know what? They were part of my childhood. Maybe I want to know if Myrtle actually moans. Okay? She does in the movie. There you go. But no, so good luck. But no, they moved on from the Hardy Brothers, and yet they, they started buying everything. Like I said, car dealerships, real estate development, uh, kind of anything and everything that Skase could get his hands on. Um, they also purchased a variety of regional television networks, such as the, the Brisbane Channel TV Q0, because all British-based TV channels... They all just have numbers, Interesting. and this one has a letter. Because you know that like in, in Britain it's like, oh, BBC One, BBC Two, BBC Three. And I'm like, that's...
1: I've watched a lot of BBC One, BBC Two, BBC Three.
0: Yeah, I bet you have. Yeah. Uh, after mounting enough momentum buying companies, Kintex struck its first really big deal. Um, because of Skase's familiarity with journalism and the fact that they had bought up all these local regional television channels uh he thought it would be a good move to buy one of the largest television channels in australia and in 1987 kintex agreed to purchase the seven network for 780 million dollars this is 780 million 1987 dollars so australian I adjust- dollars
1: or u.s dollars
0: so all of the numbers that i found um were ambiguous they just had a dollar sign so i'm assuming it's american dollars because usually still, it has an a before it if it's australian dollars but it may or may not you know so yeah. the the sources weren't were sometimes it's worse. a
1: lot of money even if it is australian money
0: yeah and and that's the thing it's like for our aussie listeners right now which i know there are there are a few of you uh based on our analytics i'm sorry that nina is butchering your accent so hey
1: bad. you know what i one time Almost cheated on my ex-boyfriend with an Australian guy. Biggest regret I ever had in my life is not actually cheating on my ex with him. But he told me that he was... Okay, so I met this guy, right? And he was like, oh my God, you have to come to Australia. My friends would love you. And I'm like, what? And he's like, your voice, it's so sexy. I was like, my voice? That's
0: got to be the only person who has ever told you that in their life. Literally.
1: It is the only person who's told me my voice is sexy.
0: And I asked you to be on a podcast, which shows which shows my your decision, lack of judgment. Yeah. But
1: so these Australian listeners love me. Okay. Oh. They love my voice.
0: Uh, okay.
1: My sexy Midwest accent.
0: Our Aussie listeners who are,
1: who are infatuated with me.
0: Sure. Uh, they know the the gravity of buying channel seven, what, what that really means. Um, but for our American listeners, uh, an Australian YouTuber that I watched a video on, he made the comparison that this is the equivalent to buying CNN or Fox wow. at this time, um, and basically meant that Christopher Scase was kind of like the Australian Rupert Murdoch, who is best known for his dynastic control of Fox. He's owned Rupert Murdoch until recently was the CEO of Fox Entertainment for like
1: a long time. 60
0: years. Oh, wow. He's, he's, he's rich. Uh, he's like over 90, and he just gave it over to his son, so it's like- it's going down. Wow. The, it's going down the line. Um, and he's well known. So so this was kind of a big deal in Australia is basically what I'm getting to. Um, and this gave KinTex such a large control over the media in Australia that they were actually uh, petitioning the government to relax laws that were put in place to control the percentage of media that can be owned by one entity. Because they were like pushing the envelope by buying this much of the media at one time. Um in addition to this, Kintex also purchased and developed multiple high-end resorts. What a lot of weird stuff. They did a lot of stuff. Multiple high-end resorts throughout Australia. I think they had seven by the end of it, um, with the two biggest being known as the Mirage Resorts in Queensland, Australia. And one of these, the Port Douglas Resort, which is now owned and operated by Sheridan, it's still there, um, looks hella nice. Um, it looks like all the rich people resorts mm-hmm. that you see um, on island nations that are like right next to the edge of extreme poverty like you have this like you have this really nice resort and then like people starving to death like, yeah. like 300 feet away that's what that kind of look like very similar vibes
1: ah oh, love that love that yeah yeah i i know someone who um vacationed in Haiti last year great place to And i it. was like what the fuck bro yeah. like people are starving there right now
0: so anyway after this i'm actually taking um she's like
1: let me let me let me go get on the
0: I'm taking a spring in Chernobyl, and uh, <laughs> and then you know what? I think we're gonna do um, we're gonna do summer next summer uh, in Auschwitz, and then I think after that we're gonna go to Cambodia and just kind of like stay a couple weeks at uh, Pol Pot's old camps. Yeah. So you know, vibes, girly. <laughs>
1: I know someone who's so upset because their Israel tra- trip just got canceled.
0: Oh, so sad for you. I'm like,
1: bro, what the fuck is your problem? <laughs> you're
0: the you're having the worst day of anyone. I know. I like, world, like right? your in trip whole, got
1: canceled. That sucks. In the whole world right now. So, your Israel trip got canceled. Sucks
0: blah, blah. to be you. Um, Skase also did what almost all extremely rich people do, or what all extremely rich people love to do. And bought a professional sports team.
1: They love to do that.
0: They love owning professional sports. If you teams.
1: could own any professional sports team, what would it be?
0: Cubs, Chicago Cubs. Mm. They make so much money and I love them. Go, Cubs, go. And you get that song. Hell yeah. The I wish I would have come up with
1: that fucking song.
0: Well, time travel. That can I know. Be, that can be your thing. Um, obviously though, uh, this is Australia. So he bought an Australian rules football team, which is the biggest sport in the country.
1: Is it soccer football?
0: No, it's completely different than either of the two things that you're thinking of right now. It's a
1: different football.
0: Yes, it there it is! it! it! Oh! Can it's I a, look
1: it up really quick?
0: It's Australia. I'll tell you a little bit about it if you All want. Right. It's Australian rules football. They play on an oval, which is usually a what? repurposed. Yes, it's usually a repurposed cricket field. Um, they don't wear pads, but it, there is tackle. The ball looks more like a rugby ball or an American football. They have a set of set of four goalposts. You get like. Uh, I think six points for kicking them through the main goalpost, but only one point for kicking them through the side goalpost, which is called a behind. They're
1: dressed like they're doing volleyball.
0: No, it's rugby. They're dressed like rugby.
1: The girls look like they're dressed for volleyball.
0: Let me see. It's rugby. Those are rugby outfits. All I know I is don't all I
1: know is don't party with the rugby team. I learned that the hard way.
0: Great. Um Get drugged. So, yes, it's a completely different game, but it's very popular over there, and he bought one of these teams known as the Brisbane Bears, based out of Brisbane. Brisbane. At the time, uh, this was one of the worst teams in history of the league, um, and they still are. Uh, they have a they have a huge losing record. I went down a rabbit hole. I learned a bunch about the Brisbane Bears. Um, and they're still around, but now they play under the name of the Brisbane Lions. Uh, at the end of owning... All of these major holdings, though the, the resorts, the, all of the TV channels, the jeweler, the the car dealerships, uh, and now a Australian rules football team, uh, Kintex grew from a company uh, that was worth literally nothing to being valued around one billion U.S. dollars wow. in, to, in today's in today's money. In to, That's crazy in today's evaluation. Um, of course. He also did the other rich people stuff: yacht, private jet, the cocaine. works. Cocaine. I, there was, you know, there was actually no talk about about any drug use.
1: Yeah, right. But you got to assume he did it.
0: You got to assume. Um, but he became known, especially for his ability to show excess. Um, largely through throwing lavish parties, kind of like how Dennis Kozlowski of Tyco threw that infamous party. Literally, our episode on it is called "The Tyco Roman Orgy" because that's what they called it. It was this super extravagant birthday party that he threw. Um, people
1: who are having orgies are the people you wouldn't want to see there.
0: Well, it wasn't a real orgy. It was just like it had the vibe of a Roman orgy. I know you don't remember that. Yes, I remember- do. Because
1: they had, that one's the one where they had the stupid umbrella.
0: It was an umbrella holder. <laughs>
1: Okay. Okay. And like the super expensive shower curtain.
0: Yes, that is correct. Um, but a lot like that, Christopher Skase supposedly dropped almost half a million dollars on a company Christmas party. $450,000 in the 1980s. Um, he also spent another half a million on his own 40th birthday party. Uh, but that actually, the money and how much it cost wasn't the most controversial story to come out of that event. It is said that after making their way to the Mirage Resort in Port Douglas for the event that his wife Pixie had, yeah, his second wife, because your second wife is the one that's named Pixie, okay? Um, she had forgotten the dress that she had wanted to wear at their house in Melbourne. Fuck. So instead of just wearing another dress, skate sent his private plane to Melbourne to pick the dress up and bring it back, all right? How far away are these? These places are on the opposite ends of the continent. Oh. It, is, it is a 31-hour drive between them.
1: It's oh. it's from
0: the top to the bottom. It's like the same the same line, same latitude, right? But but all the way on the opposite sides. Wow. Um so I I'm assuming that the flight probably cost like way more than whatever the dress cost.
1: Um yeah, probably.
0: You know, and he was just so so that's, you know, debated, but that kind of gives the impression of what people thought of him at the yeah. time is that he was capable of doing something like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's
1: obviously not a big deal. Nothing. Like, Oh, we'll yeah. just go fly back and get it. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah.
0: Um, it's kind of like celebrities. Now we've already talked about it a couple times about mm-hmm. it. It's just, it's actually kind of gross how much money is spent by people with private jets and how bad it is for the environment, the, the environment and just greed in general. Yeah. Um, skase had everything right. Uh, money, power, influence, yacht, mansions, a terrible footy team. Uh, but he still wanted more. This growth mindset impelled him to keep consuming bigger fish. And the next company he had his sights on was the biggest fish of all. It was also the one that would make him choke. At this point, Skase's entire empire was built upon debt. His family had some money, but not nearly enough to fund the buying spree that he had went on picking up so many companies that barely have anything to do with each other. This sort of diversity in holdings can sometime be a good thing. Like when Pepsi bought fast food chains like KFC, Taco Bell, and Pizza Hut because they knew they couldn't compete with Coke. So it was the only way to have restaurants that would actually exclusively serve Pepsi products. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. They were like, no one will do contracts with us because everyone wants Coke. So they just said, well, we'll just buy the fast food restaurants. And that's why Mountain Dew is only at Taco Bell. Interesting. And why Taco Bell only serve Pepsi products. Same thing with KFC and Pizza Hut.
1: Hot take.
0: Um, I prefer Pepsi. I like Pepsi, too, actually. Not going to lie. Um But oftentimes, this kind of like buying stuff that isn't really your forte, it doesn't work out. Like the time that Pepsi bought Wilson, the sporting goods company that made Tom Hanks' best friend on Castaway. Wilson! Why did they own them? There was a time when Pepsi made the official basketball for the NBA. What? Why? But they did it. Um, Companies that expand into markets that they aren't familiar with usually find it hard to thrive in those markets, right? Right. And like I said, Pepsi Pepsi sold Wilson not very long afterwards. Uh, Skase had done this. He owned so many companies in so many different fields that it would be hard to really excel in any one of them. Uh, Additionally, his entire position was heavily leveraged, as I mentioned. Money was thrown at him through loans by coked-up investors, but all good things must come to an end. After the high of most of the 1980s in finance, the market began to cool as most large economies were entering a recession at the end of the 80s, beginning of the 90s. And as we have talked about many times before, this cooling off period is when companies that don't really have strong foundations or are mismanaged or have been outright stolen from or stealing, that's when they collapse, right? Bad times expose the cons. Interest rates were rising due to the economic downturn, and this put a squeeze on Kintex, which was overburdened with over $1 billion in debts. Oh, wow. With this recession came a poor stock market, um, which weakened the investment market substantially, so no one wanted to throw money at them anymore, which meant it was hard for Kintex uh, to secure more capital. And funnily enough, there happened to be a big pilot strike going on in the late 80s as well, which grinded tourism to a halt and really fucked up business for their seven resorts that they had, all at the same time. When faced with adversity like this, a smart business person might try to offload some of the risky investments and temporarily shrink the company during a recession, holding on to only, I don't know, the most profitable sectors and weather the storm. Christopher Scase was not a smart business person. Damn. He instead decided that this is the time to double down like a gambling addict uh, by attempting to make their biggest purchase so far. And sticking with the theme of entertainment, uh, Skase tried to enter the city that is known for it, Los Angeles. In 1989, Kintex announced that they had reached a deal to acquire MGM Movie Studios.
1: Stop! Just like stop buying shit! Just stop!
0: Things are going bad. They're... They owe so much money on everything that they have already, and they're like, "Yeah, let's just make the biggest purchase uh, so far." Um, MGM movie studios, obviously uh, founded in 1924, very famous movie studio uh, for such films such as the Daniel Craig Bond movies, 21 Jump Street, The Rocky movies, Legally Blonde, The Wizard of Oz. So much,
1: so many movies, and
0: plenty more. They're, they're I think it's fair to say that they are the biggest movie studio ever.
1: Probably, yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm them and Disney, yeah, and they've been doing it much longer than Disney, right? yes, I'm, yeah, because Disney 1930s, so maybe like 10 something years like later, that, yeah, yeah. Um, and this what to acquire them was a big move, uh, but because they were already, uh, Kintex was already in so much debt, the American bank that was looking to approve their $1.5 billion loan because that's how much they offered to buy it for. Actually denied Kintex's finance application for the loan based on their debts, um, which caused them to miss their first twenty-five million dollar payment for MGM Studios and the entire deal fell through.
1: First twenty-five million dollar payment. Yeah. First.
0: Yeah. They made the they made the deal and and because they their financing for it got denied, they they're obviously they're already in debt. They don't have the capital to just be mm-hmm. like, here's 25 million bucks. Right. So yeah, the whole deal fell through. And Kintex had been a public company at this time, uh, traded on the Australian Stock Exchange. And this caused their stock price to fall rapidly. Um, not helping this was the fact that immediately after the deal fell through, one of their subsidiaries in America immediately filed for bankruptcy. So all of this together just really wasn't looking good for them. Christopher's case was taken in in every way. And the KY bottle was empty before they started. Oh, right. man. It was a, or was it it the, was a rough ride.
1: What's the one, the warming one it's that just, everybody says burns?
0: Just KY warming. And yeah, and
1: maybe he used that.
0: Just icy hot for your penis? Uh, that's,
1: yeah. I, that's what I here. I've never used it. But
0: yeah, me either, but, you know. Icy to dull
1: the pain and then hot to relax it away for hours of relief.
0: Head on, applied directly to the forehead. Ah! <laughs> that... He's real. If you're old enough to remember that, I'm sorry.
1: I do remember. Go to a
0: doctor. Um, not long after this, Skase had an explosive meeting with his board of directors where... He's so stupid. Uh, he wanted them to approve funds of $13.5 million to send to a private company that was owned by Skase himself. He was like, come on. I know this. the biggest deal just fell through and one of our subsidiaries is filing for bankruptcy, but can you please give this privately owned company of mine $13.5 million? Uh, obviously this wasn't a great time to be handing out improper loans. So the board denied his request. Uh, It then quickly came out that Skase had actually already authorized the payment to the company without the consent of the board, which he can't not do, or is not supposed to. And in a move that perfectly describes his personality, Skase then asked for the board to give him a raise. Uh, under threat of resignation. So he was like... The
1: audacity. He was like,
0: okay, can you want to give me $13.5 million? They're like, absolutely not. And he's like, well, I already did it. And then when they got upset, he's like, you guys should give me a raise.
1: The audacity. (laughs) Or
0: else I'm quitting. Uh, And obviously they denied that. They got in a big fight. A bunch of the board members said they were going to quit. And everyone left the meeting with very sour temperaments. Yeah,
1: Uh, that makes sense.
0: It didn't go so well um so sour actually that multiple members of the board reported cases to the national regulatory body the Australian Securities Commission over the unapproved payment they immediately were like we're going to we're going to tell on you yeah <laughs> um which hey good for them that's what you should do um and this was indeed the last nail in Kintex's coffin the commission asked for Kintex to provide a litany of documents to prove its corporate health and when they did not provide these documents, Kintex's stock was suspended from the exchange, which is a very bad sign usually. And the company swiftly filed for bankruptcy in 1989, just six weeks after the failed MGM deal. So they went from almost buying the biggest movie studio ever to bankrupt in a month. In like a month, a month. And a half. Yeah. Um, and Christopher Skase wasn't far behind as he filed for bankruptcy personally in 1991 after being buried in more than around 80 million dollars in personal debt oh my god which oh i forget how much it was in today's money it was like a hundred it was like just about double that i think is what it would kind of have been now
1: oh my god um as if 80 million wasn't enough
0: and when he declared bankruptcy he claimed around 1100 dollars in assets he said that he had like 135 bucks and then like about a thousand dollars worth of like clothes and shit.
1: No way that I have more money than him.
0: <laughs> well, you didn't. And that's kind of the point.
1: Oh uh,
0: a receiver
1: was This a- is where the illegal part comes in.
0: Yeah, well, I mean the $13.5 million oh, yeah, was also it. technically. Yeah, that was illegal, bad. That was bad. But yes. Um a receiver was appointed to Kintex, which is basically just a person that goes in to sell all the assets and divvy it up amongst the creditors uh-huh. uh, to deal with a bankruptcy and the, the Mirage Resorts were sold to Japanese companies for pennies on the dollar, and uh, they also sold Channel 7 for an equally small pittance of a price. They didn't get wow. a lot of money back on it, but they they, off, they off-booked they off the assets and got some money back for the creditors. Obviously not for all the people that had invested publicly in Kintex, though. They're always the ones that are left high and dry. Um, the toppling of this giant was was so great that it literally bankrupted a national bank along with it as well.
1: The, oh fuck.
0: The State Bank of Victoria became insolvent the same year, largely due to the fact that they were one of the largest lenders to Kintex and they didn't get almost any of their money fuck. back. Um the collapse of this bank in nineteen eighty-nine was at the time the largest corporate bankruptcy filing in Australian history. Now that sure sounds a lot like where we would normally leave it, right? That sounds kinda like we're getting to the end. But in fact, the good or bad stuff is just beginning. Damn. In the years leading up to the bankruptcy filing it is believed that Skase was actually bundling up his assets and remaining cash. He supposedly hid and smuggled about $900,000 worth of assets oh, out fuck. of the country. And also he supposedly squirreled away $170 million in cash through a network of offshore bank accounts. Damn. Through a bunch of shell companies he, he slowly got it out of the country between when the company filed for bankruptcy in 1989 and when he filed for bankruptcy two years later in
1: 1991.
0: Mm. Um, Public opinion was also turning on Skase as the people he burned at Channel 7 really took it personally. And they turned around and started lambasting him on public television on a daily basis. They made it like, it would be like uh, if Rupert Murdoch left and then every night Tucker Carlson was like, Rupert Murdoch is such a dumbass. Like every night on fucking his show, and like a bunch of people were listening to it. That's what they did to Christopher Skase. Really, just bringing down a lot of criticism on his head, and he became an infamous household name. The public outrage got police moving, as they found out that during the downturn of the company, Skase had approved hefty management fees to be paid to himself. Uh, which is illegal under Australian law. Interesting. And he said that he used his privilege at the at the company to uh, gain undue management fees. The charge I found was something like that, but didn't really make sense. Um, for this, he was actually arrested and charged, and spent one night in prison before being released without the charges going forward, as the police didn't believe there was enough evidence at the time to mount a case. Mm. And case. Was returned his passport, but sternly warned that he should stay in the area.
1: I bet that worked.
0: Yeah. Well, I bet uh, that
1: worked really well.
0: Oh, yeah. No, he he uh, he went home and he decided, you know what? I'm going to stay just in my house for one night because the next morning he uh, was on a flight to Spain, never to return to Australia again. He, what? he straight up just fled the country. <laughs> he just fled the country. Um, right, AWOL? Uh, I mean, that's uh, absent without leave. Sure, that works.
1: Isn't that when you run away?
0: From the military, yeah. specifically.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, he yeah. went AWOL.
0: He went AWOL. Um, and later that year, word got back to Australia that he had been spotted on the Spanish island of Mallorca. And although he claimed to have no money, he's he's like... He's like, I'm poor. I had that bankruptcy filing earlier. Obviously, I don't have money. And he still publicly pronounced that he was penniless. He was living in a two million dollar mansion on the Spanish island.
1: I just think that's a coincidence. He found it. Yeah, he they let him stay there.
0: That's how it works in Spain. If you find an empty mansion, it's yours.
1: Yeah, that's how it works. He's like he still had no money.
0: Este es para mí. And they were like, "See, si, esta bien.
1: Mi casa es su casa.
0: <laughs> that, oh, that's what it means. Yep. They were like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> this, this is your house now. Uh, after three years uh, from 1991 to 1994, the Australian government finally felt as if they had enough evidence to charge case and they brought... 60 criminal charges formally Whoa. against him. Um, helped mightily by a former associate of Skase's named Lawrence Vanderplat uh, <laughs> flipping clipping on him. Which is is that such a rich guy name? It
1: sounds made up. Lord, Lawrence and, uh, what is it? Lawrence Vanderplat.
0: And now entering the room. That Lawrence sounds like
1: someone in an Amelia Bedelia book.
0: You just know that he's like a rotund man with a very small vest. And he has and a like monocle. A little, and a little but a tiny mustache but it's still curled
1: yes yes he has the round belly with the striped pants yeah, and, and he kind of looks like the monopoly man actually oh, 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 we we're but, just describing but, the monopoly
0: man. no but fats is he not fat the monopoly man is not fat oh that's
1: because he's running around that board all the time
0: and that's what it is but rich people are fat oh. okay that's fat cats okay so make him basically make the monopoly man fat is what we're saying <laughs> uh but Lawrence van yeah he, he did a switcheroo in uno reverse garden he fucking uh Switched on him and gave them the power to levy sixty charges against him. Um, at this point, Channel Seven was still mentioning Skase regularly, like three years after <laughs> after his uh, bankruptcy. They did not like this guy, um, and more than a decade long battle, now known as the chase for Skase, was underway. They spent multiple years trying to extradite Skase from Spain, but every time they tried, Skase would say that he couldn't due to injury. You're allowed to do that? I'm just I'm just too sick, too whittled and sick you're like to I be rolled able to my
1: fly, ankle. to be
0: able to fly on an airplane. Um uh, supposedly a lifetime of cigar smoking had left him with a very bad case of emphysema. Well, which was worsened when he suffered a pneumothorax while taking a flight for a vacation to Switzerland, which what's also a
1: pneumothorax.
0: Also, you're poor, I'll tell you in a sec. You're poor and you're Living in a $2 million mansion and taking a vacation to Switzerland?
1: Well, it's kind of like just going to another state over there. They're so close together. If
0: you have $1,100, none of those things are happening. Okay, that's okay? true. Um, and new, to get back to your question, a pneumothorax is basically just a collapsed lung. Oh, fuck. It's when like air builds up in your chest cavity and collapses a lung. Ah! Um, and said it was due to the uh, pressure changes while being in an airplane and said that he was like, I can't fly anymore um Skase had a Spanish doctor confirm this saying that he was medically unfit to travel and therefore could not be extradited back to Australia of course the Australians sent their own doctor out overseas um that and the the Australian doctor said nah he can fly with accommodations we'll give him accommodations so he'll be able to fly
1: they really wanted his ass
0: yeah but let it be known that multiple sources I don't know, you know, it, it's sometimes hard to gauge the credibility of these people because mm-hmm. one of the sources was his stepson that said this, and then I did hear it somewhere else. But they said that uh, that they did. The Australian government had a third-party neutral doctor examine him. So, uh, like, a Swiss doctor came out and sided with the Spanish doctor saying that mm-hmm. he actually was unfit to fly in an airplane ever again and that he could not be extradited. Um, of course, Skase actually did have a history of faking injuries though to get out of things he he had a history of faking back problems to delay court hearings earlier on like for the the bankruptcy and things um which his stepson does say that he did that he's like yeah he would talk up the back things to like delay something for like a day he said but whatever um and that was known and pictures of Skase walking just fine on public beaches throughout Majorca, though, were quickly circulated by the Australian media. Uh, a stark dichotomy to the pictures of him at extradition trials, where he showed up in a wheelchair with an oxygen mask. Oh on. wow! <laughs> so, so while we don't know how much he was lying about this stuff, it definitely seemed like he was yeah. leaning into it a bit, you know. Yeah. And the government and public became fixated on bringing. Skase back to face justice. It was their, it was their, uh, you know, some people have called her a witch hunt, but like he, he, you know, he did something wrong and then they were just trying to to bring yeah. him back to face the music. Um, at one point, a popular television host, Andrew Denton, started a public subscription fund uh, to fund the kidnapping <laughs> of Skase to bring him back down under. Okay,
1: that's a bit much.
0: Uh, well, yeah, this plan obviously was quickly, uh, Quashed by the legal department, Um, but not before they had raised a quarter of a million dollars.
1: Oh, my God.
0: So people really. They really wanted him. People really wanted him. That's Uh, nuts. This kidnapping that never happened uh, even became the basis for a satirical movie released in 2001 entitled Let's Get Skace, which IMDb says is very bad. Shocking. Um, I tried to watch it, actually. Mm -hmm. Couldn't find it. Yeah. I, I watch clips. I watch like shitty clips of someone recording the movie on a phone, oh, uh, no, and then no, they no. put it on YouTube. Like eight minutes of it. Eh. 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 Like, like I probably could have sat through it, but it doesn't look great. Yeah. Um, it is believed that the government spent millions of dollars attempting to extradite Skase and bring him back over like a decade and a half, um, but. It's also believed that if he had been been brought back to face his day in court, that because of the relaxed laws around financial crime in Australia at the time, they've tightened it now, but at the time he probably would have only faced about a $20,000 fine and six months in prison.
1: Oh, that's like not even, honestly, like, okay, he did what he did was wrong, but like, is it worth all that trouble just for that?
0: Well, that's that's kind of what people started to think, too. Yeah. And he wouldn't have actually served the six months either because while he was waiting for the extradition hearings to get done in Spain, he actually served 11 months in prison in Spain. So he would have just been released. Why
1: did he spend 11 months in Spain?
0: Because the extradition. Oh, 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 oh. That's how it, That's how it works.
1: Oh, oh, oh,
0: So until Spain decided not to extradite him due to health, he was in prison for 11 months.
1: Oh, got you. Um,
0: so he would have just been released on time served. Probably. Yeah.
1: This is all pointless.
0: Um, however, the chase went on and in 1998, the Australian government officially canceled Scase's passport and he was ordered to leave Spain. At which point they, the Skase family renounced their Australian citizenship and gained a new citizenship with the Caribbean nation of Dominica. Although Dominica does have an extradition treaty with Australia. So it really wouldn't have done anything. Um, Although he bought time by filing an appeal in Spain. interesting. Um, in 2001, the chase was starting to receive public criticism for the exact thing you said, uh, the use of public funds for this kind of wild goose chase at this point. Um, but anger against Gase was still plentiful. With his medical history shrouded in, shrouded in doubt, it was quickly shrugged off when he said that he had actually contracted stomach cancer. Uh, this one, at least though, he was telling the truth about uh, because in August of 2001, he died from his stomach cancer, still living in his multi-million dollar mansion in Majorca. Um, The money he holed away has still not really been found. They have no idea exactly how much of it was left, where it went, what happened to it. Uh, But his wife, Pixie, uh, recently moved back to Australia and has been auctioning off many valuables like Louis Vuitton suitcases and Hardy Brothers jewelry. (laughs) Um, his stepchildren defend him on public television saying that he did nothing wrong, but it sure doesn't seem that way. He
1: totally did something wrong. And
0: the chase for Scase was at an end, and it ended with stomach cancer. Christopher Scase undoubtedly avoided the punishment that was justly due to him. And even if he had faced a punishment, it would not have been the one he truly deserved. The biggest lesson from this story is is that the extremeness of capitalism in the 1980s extended beyond the shores of the United States. It has been a plague that has run rampant for many decades now and has infected a lot, a lot of societies. How could it be allowed for a company like this to take out so much leverage in the first place? The banks were the ones that got themselves into this trouble, but it is always the public that foots the bill at the Mm -hmm. end of the day. Banks shouldn't be too big to fail, and they should be a hell of a lot smarter than to lend 1.5 billion dollars to a company ran by a greedy madman with no notion of when is the right time to stop. And that is the story of Christopher Skase, the, the Chase
1: for Skase,
0: Chase for Skase, one of the one of the largest uh, corporate scandals in Australian history. Insane. So that is our. Second Australian piece, if you count the guy from ACDC? dc No. Third. We yeah, because more? we had
1: that murder in the garage.
0: That's right. So that's our that's our third piece yeah. out of Australia, and there there is actually more. I I doing the research for this, I found a lot more Australian. Oh, good uh, stories. So you might you might hear a little bit more of those later. So like Skase is probably one of the most famous because of how he fled the country. Yeah, but there were some people that like. Basically, did the same thing as he did, but worse. But they actually just stayed and got their punishment. Um,
1: I always so. do like the stories where people run away.
0: <laughs> it's you it's know, just interesting. It's just a little bit of a, a little spice choir. Add and a it, little an extra spice. flavor, you know? Yeah. a uh, bam, kick bam, it up, kick it up a notch, Miss
1: Dash. Um, did you say Miss Dash? Mrs. Dash.
0: I thought you said Miss Dash. I, I might like,
1: have. Oh, she him. got divorced. She did.
0: Oh, so it's sad. her daughter. So sad for. You better Dash. go get her. Kidding me? I don't know. She sounds like she might get salty.
1: Um, she's a little spicy. A little spicy. Um.
0: So yeah, thank you guys so much for listening uh, to this week's episode. If you liked what you heard uh, and you want to hear more Australian financial crimes and also you know financial crimes from other places, uh, there are a couple ways that you could support the show, and we'd love if you did it. Uh, we do this because we like it but also because we like being affirmed as people so yeah so it'd be great you know what a you know a great way to give us affirmation a rating system. That's mm-hmm. why they have it. So uh, we,
1: words of affirmation is one of my love languages. and you rating. This podcast is a way for me to give that.
0: And we'll do that. So make us feel loved today and give us mm-hmm. a, give us a five-star rating on either Apple podcasts or Spotify, uh, write a review. If you, if you want to actually use some real words of affirmation on Apple podcasts, um, if not just follow wherever you are, leave a like on the YouTube video while you're heading over there to, to get ready for our live show in a couple weeks. Um, And hell, while you're at it, follow some more of our socials, uh, Instagram.com, Instagram.com. God, I'm old. Uh, Instagram at whitecollars underscore redhands, Facebook at whitecollarsredhands, Twitter at whitecollarspod, TikTok as whitecollarsredhands. You can also go straight to our website. You can listen directly there, uh, whitecollarsredhands.com. You can also contact us there if you want to suggest any episodes or suggest anything, I guess, drop a line, reach out, talk to us, whatever. You can go to whitecoloursredhands.com. Uh another way to do that directly through email at whitecollarsredhands at gmail.com. Uh, a way to tell a friend is by going to none of those and actually having human interaction and telling them about the show.
1: I know it's hard, but you can do it.
0: You I we believe in you. That's mm-hmm. our words of affirmation to you, is that you can do this. You can recommend You can
1: a, do hard things.
0: You can recommend a podcast to your friends today and just make that the podcast, this one, because, come on, man, we hyped you up, and we deserve it. Woof, um, you know what? I think that's it, right? Merch. Oh, yeah, you can check out our merch. You want to buy something? You want to buy a T-shirt? Buy a sticker? Buy something? You can do that at tpublic.com. The link is in the show description, or it's on that website we mentioned previously. There's a little tab that says check out our merch. Click that. It'll take you right to the store. So that, I think... Is it? And without further ado, thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you next week on another episode of White Collars, Red Red hands. Hands.